Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days This representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives And let me just say it Get ready, this one's a banger Mark Quinones is back and my goodness, if you are already inspired, like 11 out of 10 coming into this podcast episode, you will get there because this man is a 100% inspiration and motivation machine. I just, I can't even tell you. After, after recording with him, I was like, man, I wish I scheduled my run for after this podcast recording because I was ready to go. I mean, instead, I actually had just finished up my run, but my goodness, I want to get back out there. And no matter what, no matter what activities in life that you like, and obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably like running, but even if you didn't like running, send this podcast to a friend because Mark is so freaking special. I mean, holy cow, this guy is one of a kind, and I could just put his voice on repeat around my house at all times to inspire me and my family because he is just so amazing. Uh, With all that said, if you haven't heard of Mark, we do have an episode already in the queue, I mean, in the queue, already in the archives, episode 260, where we touch on a lot of his background. Don't worry, we do touch on it really quickly at the beginning of this episode. So if you don't know about, if you don't know about Mark, no worries. We will get you up to speed very quickly. Uh, But even if you do enjoy this episode, go back, listen to episode 260, because this guy, he is one of a kind and a true inspiration. So without further ado, here is Mark Quinones. All right, Mark Quinones is back. Mark, welcome back to the show. Matt, so happy to be back. Thank you for having me. What What a privilege. Oh, the privilege is all mine. Last time you were here, which was about a year and a half ago, episode 260. That was the full feature Mark Quinones download. So we're going to touch on a couple little like, all right, people who didn't hear that episode, give them a little bit of a refresher so they don't have to pause this one and go back and then come back to this one. But if people want to get the full Mark Quinones background, I do want to push them that way. But you, you are a busy guy, man. I am so excited to talk to you because actually last time we talked, this was something we weren't allowed. We, we didn't really talk about on the show, but but you and I had talked about it offline. Was that you were uh, about to go on Hell's Kitchen at that point, which was like this is so exciting. Or maybe you'd already recorded it, but it hadn't shown up on television. I can't remember the exact timeline. Right. That that's what it was. It, it was done, but it was about to, to be announced. You know, on the network, not long after we spoke. You know, we spoke we spoke a week before I ran the marathon in South Dakota. And and here we are, you know, a year and a half later, and it's been, wow, it, it feels like a lifetime. So much has happened in the marathon, um, you know, uh, with the with my career, with running. So And that um, was one of the last races. That was one of the last ones because that was summer 2020. Yeah, it was it was dead in the middle of the pandemic. I was supposed to run Berlin that year, uh, got canceled. And then I was supposed to run uh, Jack and Jill in Idaho, got canceled. And we found... Um, uh, South Dakota, like three weeks out, and you know, just kind of, kind of booked it and made it happen. And and you and I spoke literally about a week and a half before I ran that race. Right. For people, who, this is how the sausage gets made. So people who are interested, usually if I'm talking to someone who I know is about to race, I always tell them, okay, 
your choice. Do you want to talk before or after? And it kind of leaves, kind of gives an indication how confident they are. Because if someone's like, you know what, let's do it before. Because you get, you get that feeling of like, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to go. And there's other people who are like, let's definitely talk after. And you can almost put like money down. Like if this was like a betting, like go on like the FanDuel app to like bet on amateur runners. Like this would be a great hint on like how someone's going to do. Because almost everybody who says let's talk after like runs really, really well. Nice. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the, the recent stuff. But, let's, but people who don't know. Just give us the little two-minute Marquinhos background, you know, starting like childhood, and then kind of diving into you know like kind of like basically the first twenty years, um, and then we'll then we'll kind of bring it up to what's been happening recently, which is all really exciting stuff. Absolutely, uh, Puerto Rican, uh, born and raised in the South Bronx, uh, Hunts Point, New York City, um, early eighties, uh, single mother. My mom was uh, fifteen when she had me, and um, so it was definitely. Um, you know, um, I guess I guess what you could say is a, a very um, tough upbringing. You know, learning survival skills early in life, um, figuring out early on that the only way to do anything was to was to get up and get out the door and try and show up. And um, I kind of went through life with that mentality in my career, which really helped a ton. That getting up in the morning and getting after it mentality, um, like my mom always says, pound the pavement. Um, and I did that to my career 100%, but not to my health. Um, I was 36 years old. This is about four and a half years ago when I, um, oh yeah, almost five years ago now, when I was having uh, massive health problems. Um, I was um, severely overweight. And one night I had gotten home, uh, couldn't pick up my youngest son. Uh, well, I could pick him up, but my arms were shaking and I felt very weak. Um, it was a Friday evening, June 9th, 2017, to be specific. Uh, that night, I promised my family I was going to make a change. The next day, I got one of those um, $10 Planet Fitness memberships, and I began to walk on the treadmill. Um, long story short, between then and now, I've completed eight full marathons, 22 half marathons, um, and have had a complete physical transformation, mental transformation, and it, running continues to be um, such an important part of my life because it's changed my life. And it's, it's helping me improve in all facets day by day. You are really good at the two-minute bio. That was, that was incredible. That was, not only are the, the facts of the case amazing, and you know, this is why we're so excited to have you on for the first time, right? That's why episode 260 was such a banger. But you're really good at the synopsis, man. I this is why I'm the rambling runner. I can't I, my, even my ads go too long. I can't I can't chop anything up. Um, but it's interesting because you are a, a very high profile chef. You you were on Hell's Kitchen. You are well. You are very well accomplished in your in your field. And we talk about how you got there it was kind of an atypical path, but. You know, when you had this physical transformation that happens to you on, um, you know, on the 19th, five years ago, it wasn't like you were down and out in every area of your life. Like you were doing, from a chef perspective, some really, really good work. So what about that physical transformation uh, had an effect on the mental side? Because you obviously were pretty high functioning in other areas of your life at that point. Right. Great question, Matt. I, I, I was, you know, and a lot of great things were happening in my career. And, but I'll be honest with you. It's, I felt, I always felt uh, physically uh, insecure. I felt, I felt like um, 
I was always out of breath. You know, I, I would run low on energy, even though um, those around me would say, well, Mark's always high energy. Um, privately, I was struggling. Um, you know, um, the work seemed to be physically straining on me. Um, tying my shoes was an issue. You know, I hate, I hate to say it, but, you know, as embarrassing as it was, and, you know, at the time I felt so pathetic. Um, you know, I, I had to tie my shoe a certain, on a certain angle to be able to, like, breathe while I was doing it. Uh, walking up my staircase, um, it, everything was an effort. And, you know, that week leading up to me making that, that uh, defining moment decision, um, I was actually doing an event um, with a really well-known chef, a Michelin star chef out of, out of Europe. And he was older than me at the time. Um, he, he was in his early 40s. I was in my mid-30s. And he was very physically fit. And, you know, uh, we cooked side by side. We had a great event. But that entire week, I'm like, man, like, I would love, you know, when I'm in my, when I'm in my early 40s to be, to be fit like that. You know, he was so... And I, I think it, it transfers to how he carried himself, um, his demeanor, his execution. And I was actually, at the time, I didn't quite realize, and, and this happened recently, um, believe it or not, through failing in the marathon. We'll talk about that. But um, I realized that that week I was looking at something that I was inspired by, but I didn't at the time realize it. And But I saw that and I'm like, wow, like what an example, an example of excellence, hard work. And, um, I, I just began to, to shed the pounds. Um, so that was the addicting part to me, putting myself in a position to, to wake up and, and not just feel good about my career or like, wow, you know, like I'm doing really well as a chef or, you know, my family is healthy, but I don't feel healthy. So when I wake up now and I feel healthy and I feel like, Hey, like I'm going to go bang out these 10 miles today and then go about my day. It, it just trickles down to every other part of my life. Um, and I can't stress that enough. You know, uh, running can change the game for you 100%, no matter how fast or slow you go. And what is the culture of being fit in the chef space, in the restaurant culture, right? I think, you know, obviously you're going to be around food a lot. All right. And that's just part of it. And it's going to some really good choices. Anyone who's worked in a restaurant and most teenagers at some point work in a restaurant. I know I have. And you're munching on the you're munching on the cornbread in the back all night and all that stuff. Um, and then you, you have that element. But just kind of like I remember I talked to some professors. I'm going to talk to a professor in two days. Uh, and I've had other professors. I had Kese Lehman on the, on the podcast who talked about this, about like even in that world, like. There is a divide where it's kind of like you're either working your mind or you're working your body. And I always wonder, like, with people like in, in, in your industry, is there a culture of like, hey, no, like being a bigger guy, being a chef, like that's that's kind of the aura that you want versus like, oh, no, I'm super healthy and I'm a chef. Or how, how does that whole dynamic work? I'll be honest with you. Um, it's I would say on an overall scale, not good. And, and I'll touch back on that, which was why. When I was working that week with, with that chef doing that collaboration, I was so blown away because it was rare. Because typically, all I was used to was seeing chefs, the, the culture that I've been around, okay? I'm not speaking for every chef out there, okay? I'm speaking for myself here. Um, is It's a lot of alcohol abuse. Um, it's, it's drugs, okay? Um, it's those type of dependencies um, that are you know, six, seven day a week situations. I, I, I won't sit here, you know, and, and blow smoke up your butt about it. it, it it's something that I think is, is beginning to, 
to be addressed. You're seeing more prominent chefs chase fitness. Um, but on an overall scale, we lose too many chefs, too many tremendously talented chefs to substance abuse. Um, you know, drinking too much, um, doing hard drugs and those things being around that and, and losing right. Uh, personal friends in the industry to, you know, those diseases is what it is. Right. Um, it was heartbreaking. And for me, I wasn't, I've never been a big drinker or an abuser of drugs, but I was eating a lot. So for me, it was just, you know, my idea of self-medicating was overeating. And um, I would just eat and eat and eat where, you know, my, my skin would feel oily. And I just felt so, it was, oh, goodness. You know, I, I can't think of any, I got to be blunt. You know, I, I, I would look in the mirror and I would feel disgusted with myself. I would feel, I would feel yuck. Um, and I, I was, when, when this happened, you know, really, I would say between like age, 30, you know, 33, 34 to 36, that two, three year span, I really began to feel the strain of my choices. And um, so to be able to find running um, and, and to be where I'm at now, Matt, it's, it's something that humbles me to the core, you know, and I'm proud to say that we are seeing a lot more chefs chase fitness. Um, and you know, even here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, you know, we go out to, to the local five and 10 K half marathon runs and I'll go out there with a huge crew. I'll have my dishwashers there, my prep cooks there, my sous chefs, and I'll go out there and you can see it, you know, on my running page, uh, there's big groups of us and a lot of them work, work at the restaurant with me and getting them out there. And, and I say, you know, um, chasing healthy habits. So I'll say first, uh, we have like a motto first, we, first we run, then we cook. And um, you see, I'm starting to see it now all over the world where you're seeing uh, young chefs chasing healthy habits. And that's a breath of fresh air because we've lost a lot of people, um, you know, in the other direction. All right. So with the drug use part and just the unhealthy habit part, how much of that, again, and, and these aren't mutually exclusive, Lord knows, is the just kind of maybe you know, drugs and, and alcohol abuse just like be, to be like, uh, you know, kind of like in a more party atmosphere and relaxing and the kind of the, the hanging out side versus the, hey, this is a demanding job. The hours are crazy and they can be very late. So is it like kind of like you see like, I know Major League Baseball had like had a huge amphetamines problem because they, people use amphetamines to kind of like be at the top of their game for these long seasons and these long, long days. Like how much of it would, would you put into each one of those ranges? Cooking is an unbelievably difficult job. Um, cooking at a high level um, in a high-profile restaurant, you add the pressure to that, expectations. And I've seen really, really good, honest people, um, you know. And, and, and to me, I call it a disease, you know. Um, if, if, you know, it's, it's tough. It's hard. And so if, if you're on your feet and it's hot, and the pressure's on, and you're cooking all day long. And, and after a 10, 12, 14 hour shift, a couple of friends go to the bar, right? And say, hey, Which is right there. Right, you know. Which is like just outside the kitchen. Typically, you know, you see, you see groups go to the bar, 
they're drinking, you know, and then things happen. And that's never been something just for transparency that I've been really into. I told you that, like, I, I wasn't, um, I've lost too many family members to, to drugs and alcohol to ever really go down that route. Um, but, it, and, and I think in the industry, seeing that is something that I was almost afraid of to even try to dabble too much in. Um, so I'm thankful that I never got sucked into that lifestyle, but I, but I was, I, I've been around it, you know, my, my entire career. So um, I'll, I, I would say it's a direct line to just the, the overwhelming demand physically, mentally, emotionally, the strain having to work holidays, nights and weekends that drives them to, you know, um, overdoing it, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, for me, it was just, all right, well, I'm going to go home and, you know, grab that really big bag of chips. Um, and I, and I still do that, but now, you know, I, I run enough miles. I just kind of burn it off. Right. Right. I can, I, I can imagine you having pretty, some pretty wild extremes in terms of, the ter- in terms of the things that you put in your body. There we go. We see the flaming hot barbecue chips right here on the screen with Jason Tatum's face on it. You know, I think I think those chips are probably spicier than his game recently uh, yeah. as a Celtics fan. But I, <laughs> I will say, um, you know, between the, the high end stuff you put in your body and maybe some of the, the other things um, that us, us mere mortals uh, can whip up. But with that said, all right, so let's dive into the more recent stuff, because one of the things that we talked about and we finished up in the last episode was this this transition that, that you made from unhealthy. You know, you looked at the mirror and you were not happy with how you looked or felt and you completely shifted everything, right? So you were doing amazing things and you at that point had run several marathons and were really an impressive uh, athlete. With that said, you had certain goals and you would, you didn't want to stop there. So you kind of foreshadowed a little bit, a couple, a little earlier on in terms of some of the goals that you had and some of the things that you were aiming for. So let's pick up the thread where we left off, right? You had that, that marathon that you were heading out to maybe the last, maybe the last marathon of 2020 for all we know. Um, and you know, I think you've had a couple, a couple up and ups and downs here. Wow. Yeah. It's been the, the last year and a half has been so, um, it's been a roller coaster, Matt. When I when I spoke to you last, I was going into South Dakota, and I had a PR in the marathon of three hours and thirty nine minutes. Um, I was hoping to run under three thirty, um, and I did it. I did it in South Dakota. I ran three twenty eight. It was like three twenty eight. Look, three twenty eight sixteen. It was hot. It was super super hot. Um, I went out right on pace, and I remember like right around mile twenty one or twenty two. Um, coming down that canyon, um, it was so hot. It was like 80-something degrees, and there was like no water stations. Again, um, mid-pandemic, the, uh, the end of the race, like it, it, it was just the last 10K, like they were not giving out any water. Let me just tell you that. And it was so hot. The only, that's the time where you need it most. <laughs> just... <laughs> it, was, uh, it was tough. So I remember it was so hot. My, I felt like my brain was frying. So I slowed down. I, I knew I had the PR in the bag. And I ran, you know, at the time, what was an 11-minute PR in the marathon. Uh, super happy with that time. Um, came back. Um, you know, we hit the dead of winter. There was more shutdowns. Um, I trained, you know. I, I dug into my training. I ran a bunch of miles. Um, and I physically... I remember that. I remember being like, holy cow, this guy is on a mission. Like, he just PR'd. He's, he's, he's bringing it to another level after that race. Like, this is setting up to be something huge. 
I was working a ton, um, doing takeout only at the restaurant, running, I mean, tons of mileage. And Hell's Kitchen was announced. So that was going to be coming out in January. And I was feeling amazing physically. I really was. Um, I signed up for the Woodlands Marathon in March of 2021. Um, I went down there and I wanted to break 320 and I wanted to get closer to my goal for Boston, but for me, 310, I'm 40 years old. Um, but you know, to me, I'm all about the end game. So I like doing it in increments. I think we spoke about that last time on, on episode 260 was I, I, I enjoy the process, you know? So I, I want to be able to talk to anybody about what it's like to run a 345 and a sub 340 and a sub 330, not, not just go for broke all the time. So I, um, I went out, you know, at 319 pace and four miles in, I felt something that I hadn't felt in, in any of the, the thousands of miles I ran in training. I felt IT band pain on my right knee. And what happened was, and it, it, it was bad. And I got all the way through like mile 15, 16 running like in the seven twenties. And I felt amazing aerobically, but my knee was literally felt like it was going to snap off. So I ended up like walking the last like nine miles, man. It, it was horrible. And I, I, I finished at 444, all right? Um, I was so disappointed. I, I come to find out, I'm pretty sure it was the shoes that day. I, I had worn the Otherflies for two marathons prior to that. And I knew better, but I put them on again. And the AirPods in the front weren't, I think they were unbalanced. And it, it caused overcorrection. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, it's, and I know you, you're, you're like me, you love running shoes. You have like, you got all the pairs. You probably have so many to choose from. I have all the, and like, <laughs> I, I did the shoe felt so comfortable. Like I, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to, I run all the time. Like I'm going to be okay. I wasn't, um, but I finished. Um, and I, and I'll, I'll keep it going here. I, I come back, we're in the thick of health kitchen. And if you watch the season, you know, I, you know, no, I didn't win the whole thing, but I was very much a central figure of Hell's Kitchen Las Vegas. I, I was in the thick of it. So that's going on. You know, a bunch of PR stuff happening. The restaurant is on its ears busy. We're, we've reopened. I've got the team back at work and I'm training for the Jack and Jill downhill marathon in July in Seattle. And I, I run a lot less volume. I'll tell you that right now. I run a lot less volume. Um, Health Kitchen came out, um, the whole season aired and went out and I trained through all of that, but I'll be honest with you and, and, and the listeners, it was emotionally very taxing on me. Um, my volume suffered a little bit. I, I was running quite a bit less mileage. I think I peaked like at 57 miles, which was a slow week for me, any other marathon cycle. And, um, I, I ran Seattle and I... <laughs> brother okay listen i blew up halfway through i ran the first half at 137 and i i finished the marathon in five and a half hours okay um and it broke my heart it broke my heart you know i i i went up there with my son i took my son truth with me to seattle we were together um but i something told me it was like ominous like i was going to struggle that day and go through some stuff. And I did. Um, it was the, I mean, physically everything just shut down. My brain shut down. It was a complete system failure. Um, but you know, I'm just too stubborn. You know, I'm not going to walk off the course. I'm not going to like, 
I'll crawl. And I think I crawled a little bit too that day. It was tough. I was going to say, like, in order for you to go the second half of the marathon and basically 3.30, like, it must have been hard to walk if that's the if that's the pace you were going. I couldn't walk, man. Like, nothing. Everything just shut down. And I was, oh, my God. It was, as I think back, and that, that, that course is called the Jack and Jill Downhill Marathon right outside Seattle. Um, it's on a trail. So you go through a tunnel, right? You go through mile one, and then you go in the tunnel for two miles. The tunnel's kind of wet and slippery. You're in the dark. You got to have a headlamp on. Uh, so, like, my my watch is reading, like, eight-minute pace. But when I come out, I'm running, like, 640 pace. I was trying to, like and, – and then I come out. And then you're on a trail. And you're doing all these, like, uh, switchbacks. And it, it was just an unmitigated disaster, brother. Let me tell you that right now. And um, about halfway through, like, I was hoping it was going to be over. So I'm doing a fast And I'm running – Probably like 7.20, something, 7.30. And right around mile, I think 14, not even 15, I just, I stopped. And I'm like, and I just, I, I began to just bawl. I was just crying. And everything hurt. Everything hurt. I'll never forget that pain. Um, and then the emotion kicked in of like, wow, like, what a failure. And and, and that's when I found, that's why I hate that word because that that's, I think that day, I realized I'm not feeling in anything like I'm out here. And I remember, you know, late in it, 19 mile, 2021. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm walking with my shoes in my hand, you know, and, and trying to try and like jog. And it was a mess. I put my shoes back on. I'm trying the best that I can. And I'm seeing a lot of people DNF. I'm seeing a lot of people walk off that course. They were sending little carts up to get people. And I'm like, no, no, like, uh-uh, you know, and there's a lot of bridges in that course. There's five or six, seven bridges on that course coming down that mountain. And uh, I'd be walking. It was beautiful. And it came to a point when I'm like, man, like, but Mark, you're like the only one out here, like, walking like this, just going through it. You you know, you got to cross that finish line and, and you got to face your son who came with you. And I was more sad uh, because I knew he was going to be hurting for me. And... Let me tell you, as a father, that sucks. It sucks um, when you have to deal with that because they love you, you know. And they're not—they're not upset that you didn't hit your goal. They're hurt because they know how hard you worked and didn't hit your goal, and they're hurting. Right. And that—and that's our job as parents. We're supposed to be empathetic towards them. They're not supposed to be empathetic towards us. Right. And if you know—if you know anything about my son, Truth, he—he's so compassionate and so full of love that that was eating at me, and um. So I, I finished and we had a great conversation about being resilient, about never quitting and finding the lesson in that, you know, in the journey. Let's talk about that right now, because that was two in a row for you. The Woodlands, you're right. I mean, it was yeah. it was a different circumstance, right? It wasn't like this total systems failure after a really, really stressful six months. It was just the bad luck of the shoes. And hey, this is how it goes. But both opportunities were there for you to say, hey, it's not happening. Mm -hmm. I'm not coming back. There's going to be no more running today. How about I just pack it in? So what were the lessons for you about why? And I know, again, I'm not, I'm not, let me put the disclaimer out there. There are certain times where people are going to choose a DNF and I don't want to tell people, those people that they're wrong or they made a wrong, bad decision. But I want to get your opinion on that because you obviously made a very, um, a very calculated decision for you. Matt and... I understand, you know, running um, is relative to your background, what you do, what you're training for, 
maybe you have other races coming up and it's a business decision to walk off the course. So in respect to all of those separate situations and context, for me, um, no, I'm just not going to quit. I don't condone it. Okay. I don't. And I'm not a big fan of it. Okay. And I'll be honest with you. With all due respect to everybody out there, I'm not a fan of walking off the course. You finish what you start, period. Learn something. Figure it out. Um, it isn't always about, you know, the arbitrary time on the clock or, you know, or, or, or going or going on IG and posting about your PR. Nah, nah, go through it and post about, post about, the, post about the journey that day. You know, that's what I did. Um, and once I got through my pity party and the emotions and all that, I, I, I began to get in my mind and go, you know what? You're here because a lot of people you know and you love can't be here today. A lot of them are dead, but you're out here and you're on this course and you're not, and you don't want to, nothing about me wanted to stop. I like once the pain kicked in, it was so painful. I'm like, yes, I want, like, I want to be uncomfortable. I want to feel this because I'm going to walk. My mind is already made up. I told you this on the last time on episode 260. I, I love running. I know I'm a runner and so the end game for me is, 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 you know, I don't care if I BQ when I'm 45, 50, or 65. I don't, in the grass game of things, the decision to not quit running is already made. So if I lace up and I run five and a half hours, the universe wanted Mark to run five and a half hours to learn something. Maybe it's a teachable moment for me that I can use on my platform, whether it be, you know, my platform as a chef or as a father you know, um, and, and that's to me the takeaway from that, right, was every every bad marathon, you learn about your own crap, you, you, you learn about your own areas of improvement, and you're forced to face it. You can't, there's no, you know, sometimes I think as human beings, and maybe I'm speaking for myself here, but we go to bad delusional. You know, we think that we're doing something that we're really not, or that we're working harder than we really are. You know, and when you're in the marathon and you're, and you just, you have it to like be very specific on, on what toe you land on when you're walking because it hurts so bad. You numb out and you go, wait a second, what can I work on right now within that perhaps could make me a better husband, father, chef, uh, community leader, runner? And, and then you begin to have those conversations and it becomes a beautiful thing, Matt. I know that may not be a specific answer. Um, That's the best answer I've ever heard. That was, that was unbelievable. Um, I, I just, I, I don't even, I, I can't even follow up on it because it's, it, that was, um, that was certainly a mic drop moment, even though it's a cliche thing for me to say. Have you seen the Matrix movies? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the second one, he goes into, he meets with um, the Oracle. So he goes to meet with the Oracle. This is when he can see that, all right, she's actually, a machine, right? So he goes there, he goes into the park, she sits down, and she's like, hey, do you want a piece of candy? And he, she, he, he goes, but you already know what I'm going to say. How is that free will? She goes, Be- well, it's free will because you've already made that choice, and you're just here to figure out why you made that choice. And I was like, yes, this is exactly what Mark is saying, right? Like, the choice was already made. The vision quest was just about, okay, what 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 is here for me? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, it was a bad day. You know, it was a bad day, but I 
back from Seattle and, um, you know, I took my family to New York for a nice vacation. Um, you know, I did the New Balance Fifth Avenue Mile, had fun with that. Um, and I came back and, you know, I didn't have a marathon on deck, you know? So I'm like, you know what? Like I've been averaging two marathons a year. Um, let me just, I'll run a marathon next August. I'll probably go back to South Dakota, go back to my PR course and I'll do it there. And, but you know what? I love the Houston half marathon. That's my PR course. And you were there in 2020. I was. Right? You yeah. were there because you 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 were there with you were, I remember giving you giving you uh giving you some nonsense for this because you were there with like basically everyone who's been on the podcast, you guys were all having dinner. I saw a, a post you guys put to Instagram. I was like, what the hell, man? I was like in the next restaurant. <laughs> you guys were all sitting at a table. Yeah, no, and we did it again. We did it again on this and I said you we're all together again in Houston. So oh my god, that's great. It was a reunion and I um but when I ran uh, Houston half the first time I was training for the Mesa Marathon. I ran 134. Uh, it was January 2020. It was at the time my half marathon personal best. That day I ran uh, I ran a 134, and 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 that was when we, we got shut down. But I still ended up having a good year and PRing in the marathon in South Dakota. Um, but between then and 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 two weeks ago, I hadn't had a good race in over a year. So. I, I came, you know, this past couple of months, I've been getting my miles back up again. I got up to 70 miles. Um, I had a bunch of 55, 60 mile weeks. And without having a marathon on the calendar, I flew down to Houston a couple of weeks ago and I went for the PR and I got it. I, I got it, man. I ran 132. It was 701 blended pace. And I'm like, you know, I, I wanted to be in the sixes, but I'm like, Mark, like, you went into that race. I mean, I wasn't expecting to PR, okay? I I didn't feel like I was in PR shape. You know, I, I didn't do any workout specific to my pay, that pace. And if you look at my Strava or my Garmin, nothing analytically said I was going to run a 132. Nothing. So... Um, I was thinking, man, if I could if I could break through 140, it might be a good day and I'll be happy to see some friends, you know. Um, but I went out and I hit 713 and I'm like, no, you got this today, dog. And that was your slowest mile, right? That first one. Yeah. And then so after that, I, I dropped it to like 650 and I I I had it aerobically all day long, Matt. Um, right around mile 10, 11, you know, I look, I'm an emotional guy. Okay. I don't know because I'm Puerto Rican or, you know, um, or, or what, you know, uh, being raised by, by my mama and grandma, or, you know, like I, I just look, I'm an emotional guy and I'm not ashamed of it. So at mile, it was around mile 11. I began to get teary eyed. I knew I was going to get my P I knew I had it like, and it felt really good aerobically. So and my heart rate was even pretty low. I, I don't think I think I ever got over 170 for, and that's not bad for racing. Um, and and I I was like, do I pick it up and fight? I'm like, nah, just like I felt I wasn't I was I was in a bubble mat of of a beautiful moment that I didn't want it to end. So this might sound weird to you. So like I just focused on really good fluid breathing, my form, and I didn't want to blow it. So I knew I had it. And I just I I, I stopped looking at my watch and I came through downtown Houston and it was 132. Um I wish I would have looked at my watch one time in the last five because 
I, I would have ran like that last half mile and I would have had like a 650 something. But you know what? That's just, that's just now that that's the next low hanging fruit. Yeah, I was going to say, this is what you're saying before. You know, you just have, you keep going step by step, yeah. right? If, you, if yeah. you'd gotten that, then you'd have a much bigger step the next time. So that was two weeks ago. I came back last week. I ran 63 miles. I'm already like at 34 miles in the first couple of days of this week. And I'm getting into it again. Um, technically, I'm supposed to run South Dakota in August. But I'll be honest with you, I haven't decided yet. But I am looking at something, which is a marathon, and perhaps the beginning of April, um, which I, I would... May 1st, Eugene Marathon. Just saying. Just saying. I would tell you now, but I'm just... That hasn't been made yet. But I'm feeling really good. I mean, for me, 132 and, and, and my... Just like my my race times and all that, like it was the sign of like, this is why you don't quit. Look, Look what happened. So, so let's, so let's, let's, let's look back at that for a little bit. So obviously you, you got the miles in, you've been doing a ton of miles the last six or seven years. So you had this wonderful base to, to, to draw from and not every cycle is going to be predictive of a race, especially if you have a lot of experience, right? You got that lifetime mileage, which is so important for these endurance races more, much more so than like a 5k or things like that, where, you know, 5k can be somewhat genetic based, right? If someone's just fast, they can kind of like do a one month training plan and, and knock out a 5k if they got that genetic talent in them. But these longer races really lend themselves to that, that, that heavy year after year build, which you've certainly done. Did you, when you say you were surprised by the pace you were running again, you were in the seventies. So you were doing a ton of training. Were you just not doing the kind of either you know, the kind of speed work you had done in the past, or you were just not really doing a lot of workouts? So I think, I think, I think the caveat here is, you know, not having had a marathon on the calendar, that was the first for me. Because it was always like, I run Mesa, now I'm signed up for whatever. Or I run Chicago, I'm signed up for Houston. So like, my half marathon PRs would come in w- during marathon training cycle. Oh, so right. Not okay. the pressure, and like, all right, it's track Tuesday, I gotta go to the track and run repeat. Or, right, you weren't tapering for a half marathon, you were just running right through it. I was just running bait for me, base miles, you know, I was running base miles, you know, my, my, um, my volume was, was getting back up there. And, and again, for me, and it's all relative. Like I was running for a long time, no less than 65, 70 miles a week, slow paces. So to drop it down to 45 to 55 is significant. So my expectations, I think organically, right. We're like, well, I'm not running those type of miles, so why even? I'm, and I'm just, I'm not running workouts. Um, I my long runs are, are really slow, and but what, I guess what I was doing was just building, you know, just really building more aerobic engine uh, uh, area, and I didn't really realize that. But not having the mental stress of like, I got to go do my marathon pace, so I got to go do a fart leg, or I got to hit marathon pace at mile twelve of a long run. That those things mess with you. So I didn't have that wear and tear taking it back down to Houston. I, I just, I had, I guess you could say I was naive. I had base, but no, you know, no, no pressure of this is, these are my, what my workouts are looking like. Cause they were not, they weren't there. Right. That ignorance is bliss 
type feeling, um, which can be nice. And especially if you're in a situation where you're doing workouts, the same kinds of workouts, right? the same, like whether it's like, hey, I'm doing eight by half mile with two minute jog or whatever, right? But it's the same kind of workout and you can make comparisons to previous marathon cycles or you're running the same routes that you always do. So it's like, hey, I've run this route 300 times in the last four years and I can make a comparison to how fast I've run. So oftentimes, even if we're not trying to, it can be really easy to default into comparison with our with our previous selves. 100%. And that's what I was doing. Um, but I, I will tell you that something within was telling me like, y- you might have a good day. Like you're feeling really good. It's coming back. And all I kept telling myself training this winter and even today when I was out there, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little sore, Matt, you know, um, but I'm going, man, like this is what you love. You love you love the wood chopping, the wood shedding, the practice. Like I, I just, I revel in the day to day. I like to be able to be on a Wednesday and just, okay, like I'm going to go run 10 miles. And like, they, like I, I love that. Cause, and then knowing that, like, I, I've, I've gone through the marathons and not quit, come back and got right back to training again. Like running for me is, is life. Life is running. Like I, I, I I've come to view running as an act of service to the earth. Um, you know, I, I go out there and I just literally like, and this might sound goofy to you, but I'm like, I'm here to give myself to you, you know, and, 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 and give me what you got today. And I'm so thankful to be out here. Um, it is, it is church for me seven days a week, brother. Let's talk about that. What was the, what was the genesis of, well, talk about a play on words. Um, what was the, yeah, right. the genesis of that, um, of that connection that you're making. Um, I know there's, there's a lot of running cultures out there that feel the same way, but how did it manifest itself in you? Uh, I've been thinking about that a lot and I don't, I can't sit here and, and pinpoint to you the specific answer, but I could tell you lately what I, what's been in my heart and what I've been thinking about on my runs, even this morning. Um, it's, it's my loved ones who are no longer here, perhaps who passed away early in life and they weren't given a chance to, to get out there and experience the beautiful things that I have when I'm running uh, it could be friends who are no longer around. It can be suffering and it is all these things. Okay. There's that. It's the suffering that I see that I, um, it's the, it's the climate of the world. And yeah, every day, like my soul, my bones desire to go out there and, you know, just kind of be elemental out there and, I don't know why, um, other than that's the way God wants me to be out there. But I think when I think of why, I'm like, I just know of too many people who are no longer here that I wish were here. Um, and, and they're not. And I'm just like, but I'm out here. And like, maybe I'm just like, you know, every mile. And, I, and this might be too deep or weird, but like, it's what I'm coming out of my heart. Like every mile, like, you know, it, it, it's for them. Like, you know, um, they weren't able to do this. You know, and, and maybe, maybe every mile that you run, um, it erases some kind of deficit, maybe. I don't know, you know, um, or maybe it's a deposit. So like, you know, my children, you know, can, can, can have, you know, um, a couple of steps ahead in life for them that maybe I didn't have growing up. And, but nonetheless, I'm just so thankful when I'm out there and it, that gratitude comes from the. The, the, the humbling and the humiliating moments of having every ligament burn. You, you ever been running, you ever had a bad long run and, 
and like your ligaments are burning and you feel like you feel like you're on fire. Right. And you're taking, I haven't had that one. And I got to be honest with you. I'm not looking forward to it. Well, you know, (laughs) your tendons are just burning. It, It just, it hurts. And, but then you do it again. And then the next morning when you lace up, you having to run literally like on your outer pinky toes for the first four miles before enough blood goes to your feet to get the pace your running form right. And the next thing you know, you ran nine miles and you're feeling good about it. Like there was an other side of pain, dude. And I, <laughs> I, I laugh because like, I, I feel like I'm out there looking for that in a way and um, just not giving up. And now coming back from Houston and being rewarded with that, with that beautiful PR, it was just a beautiful moment. And now that I'm back, I'm looking at something maybe here in April. And I, uh, I'm just excited about it because then when you factor in the excitement and you go back and you look at your Strava data, you're like, wow, I run all these miles. Like the whole entire time that maybe I thought things weren't going my way, all I've been doing is working, working at it, getting better, gaining experience, and most importantly, like falling deeper in love with the sport. Um, that I think is a gift. I think it's a gift. You know, um, I, I, I just, it blows my mind, Matt. I cannot believe that I'm out there every day running. Um, and, you know, almost five years has passed now. Eight time marathoner. Um, some times to be proud of. But more importantly, I'm most proud of the consistency in my work ethic. I'm thankful for the connections that I've made in running, whether it be, you know, the Dukes Track Club here in New Mexico or yourself, Matt. Um, I've met the most amazing people, you know, who live all over the world through running. And um, maybe I think sometimes that like the chef part of my life, like Chef Mark, maybe one could say if they're being cynical, well, because he's a, he's a, he's a well-known chef, he's been on Chopped. Food Network, Cutthroat Kitchen, Hell's Kitchen. You know, that's why he gets to do these cool interviews. And I'm like, no, I don't believe so. I think it's because of my work ethic. I think because anybody who does any vetting on me and you look at my body of work, it's there, you know? And so, because sometimes I I struggle with that. I'm like, am I, I want to work harder because I think, you know, maybe I have a little bit of the quote unquote imposter syndrome where I'm like, well, you know, they know your name. They know you're out there. You've run a couple of marathons. Make sure you're doing the work every day so that anybody who cross-references your ass can check that you are a grinder, that you do log the miles. And that's important to me, you know, integrity. I love that because it's funny. I knew about you. I knew about you as a runner first. I didn't know the chef part until I was like, until I asked you to be on the show, I'm like, I really got to do some background on the chef part because I know the running part. I didn't know the chef part. I knew like the Instagram account where you have like 1500 followers and you're posting about running all the time. I'm like, Oh, look at this other account. It's got like 40,000 followers and it's all food. I had no idea. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And you know, uh, we were talking so much about the, the running side. Uh, how is the chef stuff going? I know, you know it's been uh, the last two years have been a wild time in, in the restaurant industry. So you know you had the, the obviously you talked before about um, about being uh, on Hell's Kitchen. But just how how's how's restaurant chef life going for you right now? 
it's been absolutely, I mean, it's been, it's been poetic. It's been amazing. Um, I'm now five years at the Hotel Andalus, downtown Albuquerque. It's a, it's a luxury boutique curio uh, collection by Hilton. Um, and we've just been thriving. Um, it's been very busy um, every single month, every night. It's a type of restaurant that if you don't have a reservation on the weekends, it's hard to get into. Um, I, I have the most fantastic team. And it's been, it's been one blessing after the other, you know, to, to be talking to you as a three-time Best Chef in the City winner. I'm one chef of the year out here. Um, you know, obviously, we talked about the TV stuff from being on Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay, Chop, Cutthroat Kitchen. The, I've done the Great American Sequel Cook-Off on PBS where we got third, I got the bronze medal twice in a row, third in the country. And I say it because New Mexico is a landlocked state. I know. You got to come to Rhode Island, man. We're the, we're the ocean state. That's where you belong. They were there. So, you know, they flew us down to New Orleans, Louisiana. Oh, um, what a great spot for that. It's called the Great American Seafood Cook-Off. Two years in a row, you know, we're on the podium getting third in the nation. Um, it, it's been uh, Forbes. I've been featured in Forbes uh, as well. Um, and it's been beautiful right now. We're at a point where for the first time ever, uh, in our historic property, we're going to be, um, hopefully the end of this year, releasing our cookbook, um, where I'll be, I'll be, uh, telling, you know, uh, my life story through food, um, in, in a book format and also talking about very specifically the team, the infrastructure that I have behind me at the hotel. Um, because a lot of the times you see the face of the brand or you read about the chef or, you know, you go with the food, the chef's food, but there's an army of people behind the chef, right? I have, a, I have an entire engineering team, housekeeping, front desk. Um, I, ha I have the entire banquet team. Uh, front of the house. So and you used to be one of those people. Like they, they, you weren't gifted any of this stuff. And that, no, that's the no, thing. No. And that's the thing I want to touch on before we get going. I know you're a busy guy. You, you made yourself into this athlete. You were not this genetic freak who grew up and all of a sudden, you know, set the middle school mile record at their height at the middle school, then set the high school mile record at their high school. And then, you know, worked hard, but was, it was really in a wonderful spot to do all this stuff. Same thing with the chef world. Like you, you're, again, go back to episode 260 to hear the whole thing, but like your rise in the chef world was very similar to your rise in the running world for all, for all intents and purposes. So if there's people listening to this who know that their path, they're on the wrong path or that they recently shifted paths, but they're hesitant. They're not going for it with the gusto that you have gone for things. What would you tell those folks? What I would say is um, if the reason why you're doing what you're doing is profound enough, you're going to get there. Uh, I, you mentioned uh, my career. I, I, I began not just as a dishwasher, but I was a temp dishwasher. I was one of the ones that, that they call an agency and, and you show up with, with, a, with a little green piece of paper and they sign it and, and it, it's, it, it's, you're there for the day. It's a day job. Um, that's how low down the, 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 the totem pole I began. Um, and if I can do it, and I told you, you know, a, a Puerto Rican out of the South Bronx, um, if I can do it, um, or look at my, uh, look at my, my, my cousin, um, the drummer, Mark Quinones, you know, he's from the South Bronx too. You know, we grow and, and look at him, the Almond Brothers band, now with the Doobie Brothers right now, you know, just, I mean, uh, Latin Grammy winner. Um, 
it's it's all about and I know, you know, he 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 puts the work in. You know, um so it's you have to and I don't want to sound cliche, but like you have to love what you do at shows. Um you can't lie to yourself. Um but if you if anything you're doing evokes any kind of emotion, if you feel passionate about what you're doing, learn to savor the bad days. You know, because when you do and you look at the bad day as a gift and you parlay it into the next day's effort, that's the name of the game. Is um that one day, let's just say it's a Wednesday and you're, you know, you're in Rhode Island and you walk, you look outside, it's snowing. The gym closed down. You don't want to do it, you know, but you, but you put your shoes on, you know, and you go out there and you layer up and, and you go run four miles and then you, you walk back in. A lot of people, you know, did not make that decision, but you did. So what happens? You know, you do that every single day. You begin to stockpile your little victories. And those are way more rewarding than, you know, everything feels good today. So I'm going to go run my miles and be really happy about it. Let that be the, um, the really good days. But the good days are those days that you don't necessarily feel like things are going your way. You got to give yourself credit. I think too many of us don't do that. Like getting out of bed in the morning. Um, if you're, if you're anything like a, like, like a regular human being, or, or, or maybe it's just me, but I wake up, you know, and sometimes I'm in my head, you know, um, you're fighting demons, you're, you're dealing with mental health and you're wondering like, you know, uh, uh, do I want to do this or not? Or, or, you know, I'm not really good at this or, you know, what, why am I doing this? Is it even worth it? This is dumb. Nobody cares. Put the shoes on and go outside. Like, this is what I will say. Good, bad, or ugly. I've never walked out of any single run with regret. And I always tell myself at the end, aren't you happy you showed up? Aren't you happy you did this today? Because a lot of people you know didn't even get out of bed. You did. So if nothing else you do um, brings happiness to your day, let the fact that you got out the door be enough. Let it be enough. And I promise you, you're going to have that day where, you know, it, it might just be a 10K. But you might go out there and run a PR. And that might that PR might be the reason why you register for your next marathon. And, and the game keeps going, right? It, it might sound corny, Matt, but you can never say you've lost if you never quit. I love it. I love it so much, Mark. Thank you so much for everything. The honesty, the candor, the inspiration, all of it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. All my love and respect. I, I really appreciate it. What a blessing. What did I say? I told you in the intro, I told you in the intro that if you weren't already an 11 out of 10 on the inspiration meter that you will get there in this episode, Mark. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It is so greatly appreciated. And thank you, the listener, for listening all the way through to the end. I'm so glad you did. This man is simply the best. If you like the show, please share it with your friends over on social media and tag me as well. It always is so appreciated when you do those things. Thank you so much for listening and happy running.
This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest of states these days. Just representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.